We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you, which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get Incogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. I live in Europe, and it's incredibly easy to travel here. By bus, train, or plane, I can be in any other European country in a matter of hours, for pretty cheap. But while I'm in other countries, I still want to check my emails, check my YouTube analytics, and all that fun stuff. Well, by using Surfshark VPN, I changed my location to France using one of their 3,200 plus servers, and I'm no longer annoyed by thousands of emails from Google freaking out saying, Oh my god, there's a computer in Spain trying to hack you! There isn't Google. It's me. And thanks to Surfshark, I'm no longer bothered by these annoying messages. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan, and log into all your accounts anywhere with zero hassle and no annoying emails. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads Podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger Chapter 2 They each had their own room and all. They were both around 70 years old, or even more than that. They got a bang out of things, though in a half-assed way, of course. I know that sounds mean to say, but I don't mean it mean. I just mean that I used to think about old Spencer quite a lot, and and if you thought about him too much, you wondered what the heck he was still living for. I mean, he was all stooped over. He had very terrible posture. And in class, whenever he dropped a piece of chalk on the blackboard, some guy in front row always had to get up and pick it up and hand it to him. That's awful in my opinion. But if you thought about him just enough, and not too much, you could figure out that he wasn't doing too bad for himself. For instance, one Sunday, when some other guys and I were up there for hot chocolate, he showed us this old, beat-up Navajo blanket that he and Mrs. Spencer bought off some Indian at Yellowstone Park. You could tell old Spencer got a big bang out of buying it. That's what I mean. You take somebody, old as hell, like old Spencer, and they can get a big bang out of buying a blanket. His door was open, but I sort of knocked on it anyway, just to be polite and all. I could see where he was sitting. He was sitting in a big leather chair, all wrapped up in that blanket I just told you about. He looked over at me when I knocked. Who's that? He yelled. Clawfield? Come in, boy. He was always yelling outside class. It got on your nerves sometimes. The minute I went in, I was sort of sorry I'd come. He was reading the Atlantic Monthly, and there were pills and medicine all over the place, and everything smelled like Vic's nose drops. 
It was pretty depressing. I'm not too crazy about sick people, anyway. What made it even more depressing? Old Spencer had on this very sad, ratty old bathrobe. It was probably born in or something. I don't much like to see old guys in their pajamas and bathrobes anyway. Their bumpy old chests are always showing. And their legs. Old guys' legs at beaches and places always look so white and unhairy. Hello, sir, I said. I got your note. Thanks a lot. He'd written me this note, asking me to stop by and say goodbye before vacation started, on account of I wasn't coming back. You didn't have to do all that. I'd have come to say goodbye anyway. Have a seat there, boy, old Spencer said. He meant the bed. I sat down on it. How's your grip, sir? My boy, if I felt any better, I'd have sent for a doctor, old Spencer said. That knocked him out. He started chuckling like a madman. Then he finally straightened himself out and said, Why aren't you down at the game? I thought this was the day of the big game. It is. I was. Only... Just got back from New York with the fencing team, I said. Boy, his bed was like a rock. He started getting serious as hell. I knew he would. So, you're leaving us, eh? He said. Yes, sir. I, I guess I am. He started going into this nodding routine. You never saw anybody nod as much in your life as old Spencer did. You never knew if he was nodding a lot because he was thinking and all or just because he was a nice old guy that didn't know his ass from his elbow. What did Dr. Thummer say to you, boy? I understand you had quite a little chat. Yes, we did. We really did. I was in his office for around two hours, I guess. What did he say to you? Oh, well, about life being a game and all, and how you should play it according to the rules. He was pretty nice about it. I mean, he didn't hit the ceiling or anything. He just kept talking about life being a game and all, you know. Life is a game, boy. Life is a game that one plays according to the rules. Yes, sir. I know it is. I know. Game my ass. Some game. If you get on the side where all the hot shots are, then it's a game. Alright, I'll admit that. But if you get on the other side, where there aren't any hot shots... Then what's a game about it? Nothing. No game. Has Dr. Thurma written to your parents yet? Old Spencer asked me. He said he was going to write them on Monday. Have you yourself communicated with them? No, sir. I haven't communicated with them because I'll probably see them Wednesday night when I get home. And how do you think they'll take the news? Well, they'll be pretty irritated about it, I said. It really will. This is about the fourth school I've gone to. I shook my head. I shake my head quite a lot. Boy, I said. I also say boy quite a lot, partly because I have a lousy vocabulary, and partly because I act quite young for my age sometimes. I was 16 then, and I'm 17 now, and sometimes I act like I'm about 13. It's really ironical, because I'm six foot two and a half, and I have gray hair. I really do. The one side of my head. The right side is full of millions of gray hairs. I've had them ever since I was a kid. Yet, I still act sometimes like I was only about twelve. Everybody says that, especially my father. It's partly true, too, but 
It isn't all true. People always think something's all true. I don't give a damn, except that I get bored sometimes when people tell me to act my age. Sometimes I act a lot older than I am. I really do. But people never notice. People never notice anything. Old Spencer started nodding again. He also started picking his nose. He made out like he was only pinching it, but he was really getting the old thumb right in there. I guess he thought it was alright to do, because it was only me in that room. I didn't care, except that it's pretty disgusting to watch somebody pick their nose. Then he said, I had the privilege of meeting your mother and dad when they came in for their chat with Dr. Thurma some weeks ago. They're grand people. Yes, they are. They're very nice. Grand. Grand is a word I really hate. It's a phony. I could puke every time I hear it. Then, all of a sudden, old Spencer looked like he had something very good, something sharp as a tack to say to me. He sat up in his chair, sort of moved around. It was a false alarm, though. All he did was lift the Atlantic Monthly off his lap and try to chuck it on the bed next to me. He missed. It was only about two inches away, but he missed anyway. I got up, picked it up, and put it down on the bed. All of a sudden, then, I wanted to get the hell out of the room. I could feel a terrific lecture coming on. I didn't mind the idea so much, but I didn't feel like being lectured to and smell Vic's nose drops and look at old Spencer in his pajamas and bathrobe all the time. I really didn't. It started all right. What's the matter with you, boy? Old Spencer said. He said it pretty tough, too. For him. How many subjects did you carry this term? Five, sir. Five? And how many are you failing in? Four. I moved my ass a bit on the bed. It was the hardest bed I ever sat on. I passed English all right, I said, because I had all that Bewolf and Lord Randall, my son, stuff when I was in the Wooden School. I mean, I didn't have to do any work in English at all, hardly, except write compositions once in a while. He wasn't even listening. He hardly ever listened to you when you said something. I flunked you in history because you knew absolutely nothing. I know that, sir. Boy, I know it. You couldn't help it. Absolutely nothing, he said over again. That's something that drives me crazy when people say something twice that way after you admit it the first time. Then he said it three times. But absolutely nothing. I doubt very much if you opened your textbook even once the whole term. Did you? Tell the truth, boy. Well, I sort of glanced through it a couple of times. I told him. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. He was mad about history. Oh, you glanced through it, eh? He said, very sarcastically. Your uh, exam paper is over there on top of my chiffoner. On top of the pile. Bring it here, please. It was a very dirty trick, but I went over and brought it over to him. I didn't have any alternative or anything. Then I sat down on his cement bed again. Boy, you can't imagine how sorry I was getting that I'd stopped by to say goodbye to him. He started handling my exam paper like it was a turd or something. We studied the Egyptians from November 4th to December 2nd, he said. You chose to write about them for the optional essay question. Would you care to hear what you had to say? No, sir, not very much, I said. He read it anyway, though. 
You can't stop a teacher when they want to do something. They just do it. The Egyptians were an ancient race of Caucasians residing in one of the northern sections of Africa. The latter, as we know, is the largest continent in the Eastern Hemisphere. I had to sit there and listen to all that crap. It was certainly a dirty trick. The Egyptians are extremely interesting to us today for various reasons. Modern science would still like to know what secret ingredients were that the Egyptians used when they wrapped dead people so that their faces would not rot for innumerable centuries. This interesting riddle is still quite a challenge to the modern science of the 12th century. He stopped reading and put my paper down. I was beginning to sort of hate him. Your essay, shall we say, ends there, he said in this very sarcastic voice. You wouldn't think an old guy would be so sarcastic and all. However, you dropped me a little note at the bottom of the page, he said. I know I did, I said. I said it very fast because I wanted to stop him before he started reading that out loud. But you couldn't stop him. He was hot as a firecracker. Dear Mr. Spencer, he read out loud, that is all I know about the Egyptians. I can't seem to get very interested in them, although your lectures are very interesting. It is all right with me if you flunk me through as I'm flunking everything else, except English anyway. Respectfully yours, Holden Clawfield. He put my goddamn paper down and then looked at me like he'd just beaten the hell out of me in ping pong or something. I don't think I'll ever forgive him for reading that crap out loud. I wouldn't have read it out loud to him if he'd written it. I really wouldn't. In the first place, I'd even written that damn note so he wouldn't feel too bad about flunking me. Do you blame me for flunking you, boy? He said. No, sir. I certainly don't, I said. I wish to hell he'd stop calling me boy all the time. He tried chucking my exam paper on the bed when he was through with it, only he missed again. Naturally. I had to get up again and pick it up and put it on top of the Atlantic Monthly. It's boring to do that every two minutes. What would you have done in my place? He said. Tell the truth, boy. Well, you could see you've already felt pretty lousy about flunking me. So, I shot the bull for a while. I told him I was a real moron and all that stuff. I told him how I would have done exactly the same thing if I'd been in his place. And how most people didn't appreciate how tough it is to be a teacher. That kind of stuff. The old bull. The funny thing is, though, I was sort of thinking about something else while I shot the bull. I live in New York, and I was thinking about the lagoon in Central Park, down near Central Park South. I was wondering if it would be frozen over when I got home. And if it was, where did the ducks go? I was wondering where the ducks went when the lagoon got all icy and frozen over. I wondered if some guy came in a truck and took them away to a zoo or something, or if they just flew away. I'm pretty lucky, though. I mean, I could shoot the old bull to old Spencer and think about those ducks at the same time. It's funny. You don't have to think too hard when you talk to a teacher. All of a sudden, though, he interrupted me while I was shooting the bull, who is always interrupting you. How do you feel about all this, boy? I'd be very interested to know. Very interested. You mean about my flunking out of Pensy and all? I said. I sort of wished he'd covered up his old bumpy chest. It wasn't such a beautiful view. 
If I'm not mistaken, I believe you also had some difficulty at the Wooten School and at the Elkton Hills. He didn't say it just sarcastically, but sort of nasty, too. I didn't have too much difficulty at Elkton Hills, I told him. I didn't exactly flunk out or anything. I just quit, sort of. Why? May I ask? Why? Oh, well, it's a long story, sir. I mean, it's pretty complicated. I didn't feel like going into the whole thing with him. He wouldn't have understood it anyway. It wasn't up his alley at all. One of the biggest reasons I left Elkton Hills was because I was surrounded by phonies. That's all. They were coming in the goddamn window. For instance, they had this headmaster, Mr. Haas. That was the phoniest bastard I ever met in my life. Ten times worse than old Thurmer. On Sundays, for instance, old Haas went around shaking hands with everybody's parents when they drove up to school. He'd be charming as hell and all, except if some boy had little old funny-looking parents. You should have seen the way he did with my roommate's parents. I mean, if a boy's mother was sort of fat or corny-looking or something, and if somebody's father was one of those guys that wear those suits with very big shoulders and corny black-and-white shoes, then old Hans would just shake hands with them and give them a phony smile, and then he'd go to talk for maybe half an hour with somebody else's parents. I can't stand that stuff. It drives me crazy. It makes me so depressed I go crazy. I hated that goddamn Elkton Hills. Old Spencer asked me something then, but I didn't hear him. I was thinking about old Haas. What, sir? I said. Do you have any particular qualms about leaving Pensy? Oh, I have a few qualms, all right. Sure, but not too many. Not yet, anyway. I guess it hasn't really hit me yet. It takes things a while to hit me. All I'm doing now is thinking about going home Wednesday. I'm a moron. Do you feel absolutely no concern for your future, boy? Oh, I feel some concern for my future, all right. Sure I do. I thought about it for a minute. But not too much, I guess. You will, Old Spencer said. You will, boy. You will when it's too late. I didn't like hearing him say that. Maybe sound dead or something. It was very depressing. I guess I will, I said. I'd like to put some sense in that head of yours, boy. I'm trying to help you if I can. He really was, too. You could see that. But it was just that we were too much on opposite sides of the pole. That's all. I know you are, sir, I said. Thanks a lot. No kidding. I appreciate it. I really do. I got up from the bed then. Boy, I couldn't have sat there another ten minutes to save my life. The thing is, though, I have to get going now. I have quite a bit of equipment in the gym I have to get to take home with me. I really do. He looked up at me and started nodding again with this very serious look on his face. I felt sorry as hell for him all of a sudden, but I just couldn't hang around there any longer, the way we were on opposite sides of the pole, and the way he kept missing the bed whenever he chucked something at it, and this sad old bathrobe with his chest showing, and that grippy smell of Vic's nose drops all over the place. Look, sir, don't worry about me, I said. I mean it. I'll be all right. I'm just going through a phase right now. Everybody goes through phases and all, don't they? I don't know, boy. I don't know. I hate it when somebody answers that way. Sure. Sure they do. 
I said. I mean it, sir. Please don't worry about me. I sort of put my hand on his shoulder. Okay, I said. Wouldn't you like a cup of hot chocolate before you go? Mrs. Spencer would be. I would, I really would, but the thing is, I have to get going. I have to go right to the gym. Thanks, though. Thanks a lot, sir. Then we shook hands, and all that crap. It made me feel sad as hell, though. I'll drop you a line, sir. Take care of your grip now. Goodbye, boy. After I shut the door and started back to the living room, he yelled something at me, but I couldn't exactly hear him. I'm pretty sure he yelled, Good luck! at me. I hope to hell not. I'd never yell good luck at anybody. It sounds terrible when you think about it. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.